Hey mates, welcome once again into the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. My name is Tommy Dasselow, sitting next to me, the other half of the program, Carl Chandler. G'day dickhead. What do you got for us um, this afternoon? Hey, well look, thanks to everyone in Sydney that came into our show, came to the live show, packed out the big live show and put up with all of our technical <laughs> difficulty. Uh, we've got the... Uh, Didn't really talk about it in the episode, no, 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 but no. yeah, there was some stuff we've, behind the scenes. We've got the same tech uh, today, looking after the show. <laughs> That uh, looked after last week's show, so it should be going well by now. Uh, strange tech who just grabs the microphone out of your hand and starts smashing it, it into the table. wasn't particularly stranger than the way we set up last week. So, um, hey, I just want to say to everyone that turned up and they got their free chicken, we got a, a big spread bot from uh, Nando's mm-hmm. last week. They came to uh, everyone that came to the live show. Um, just, just a heads up, this is what happened uh, when the chicken was put out there. Uh, along with the technical difficulties, there was also a little bit of difficulty where I went out there and uh, the chicken was set up and there was no... We needed cutlery, and um, I went out there, and the t- cutlery disappeared. And I said to one of the guys, "Oh, we need that cutlery that was left there before. What's happened? Have you you haven't thrown it out, have you?" And the guy went, "No, not really." And I went, "Okay, not really. Okay, can can you just get that cutlery because we need it?" And he went, "Okay," and I just watched him go over to a bin, oh. take it out, and put it back there for people that were eating their chicken. So, and did you see people using that cutlery afterwards? I, I chose not to look oh, at, at what happened God. after that. But. So basically what you're saying is if sin, if you were at that live episode and you've been sick this week, yeah. that's why. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, look, you know, it's that thing of I think his, his point of view was it's not really in the bin if it's inside a bag inside the bin. <laughs> so technically. What a great metaphor for people being fans of this show, just eating out of the bin yeah. of comedy. Great. Yeah, the, the, if you're listening to this, you'll, it's like the bin scabbing of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two guests today that we're very excited about. First of all, he's our old mate. You know him as the host of Speaks and Specs. Welcome back into Little Dum Dum Club, Josh Earl. Yay. Yay. Thanks. And, and the voice of the Rad Dad thing. Voice of Rad Dad, yeah. You don't get enough credit for that now that Spix has taken I off. Know. I know. I reckon you get yeah. just about enough. <laughs> yep. Arguably too much. Yeah. Uh, also making a long overdue return to the program, uh, you know him from Mad as Hell. Please welcome back into the Little Dum Dum Club, Sean McAuliffe. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. How long's it been? Because I've only been on once before, and, yeah. and I think it was when you were legitimised by being in a radio station. Yes. Now, now we're actually, we should point this out, we are actually near that very bin you were talking about earlier, Carl. <laughs> yeah, that was about three years ago that you were on, and that was wow. before we were we were legitimately in the radio station, and then not long after that we were illegitimately in the radio station. Yeah, We've been asked even, not, not to go that. in, and now, now not no, even that. we've yeah. moved up. We were illegitimately in a radio station. Now we're illegitimately at the ABC. <laughs> yeah. We are, yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I put it to you, Sean. I said, you know, now we're mobile. We can go wherever. We can go to your house or you can come to our house. Well, you that's, went, that's what about an abandoned office in the ABC? That's fine. But when you said mobile, you know, that just means homeless. Pretty yeah, much, yeah. yeah. Um, comedy's changed so much since last we spoke. So mm. it's good that we catch up every three <laughs> yeah, years. Yeah, what so. was going on three years ago? Oh, I don't know. F- Fel- it was Fatty still- Arbuckle had just put out a new feature, I think. <laughs> yes, yes. He was in a bit of trouble with Fatty. <laughs> Uh, no longer on radio, persona non grata. I, I think talkies had just come in, yeah. so you know we should move on now. But uh, you know, see, Josh has gone on to. Have you been on the show since uh, you've yes. been on Spicks and Specs? Yes, I'm there. Oh. Go to. I'm there. Oh, whoever, whoever pulls out, I replace. It's just like on TV. It's great. <laughs> see, yeah. <laughs> Josh fills a special void now where he's like, we've known him long enough, 
but also he's like now kind of famous enough that he's yeah. like we can get him whenever we really need him. Yeah, like and three years ago we wouldn't have said, oh, someone pulled out Hilsey. Can you just yeah. hop in? <laughs> just hop into the show. But um, but Sean, I don't know if you because you, you know you're not on you're not on uh, Twitter or, or, or Facebook or anything like that where we talked about this after it happened. So you might not be aware of this, but after you did the episode last time, we actually lost the recording. Uh, for oh. like as you got in the elevator, I realised that it had been deleted. So we had a month where we thought we'd done this episode with you that was never going to see the light of day. And then one of the technicians in there found the record. So we, so we well, put it found it somewhere on your hard drive. You found the recording. It was deep they in, found it next, yeah. to the, next to the forks in the bin. They found our recording of you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So and was it worth finding? I mean, did it, did it make people sick, uh, have diarrhoea <laughs> the next day? It was de- because I think we tried to sort of, when, when it looked like it was never going to see the light of day, we tried to convince ourselves like, ah, oh, you know, it's not that big a deal. But then getting it was like, oh, no, this is, thank God we found this because this was really good. Yeah, it has more value. It has more value when you think you've lost it and you yes. find it. You well, know. People, and then people accused grail. us of making the whole thing up just yeah. for a bit of theatre, which... Yeah. And you've, you've lost another one as well, haven't you? The only we, other one you've lost is the Will Anderson one. Yeah, and that, that one? one's gone forever. So well, That's interesting because Will Anderson did a show with Dave O'Neill and Glenn Robbins called Now I'm Going to Have to Kill You. He did it for the ABC radio show. Yeah. And they lost that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah, right. That went, that went south too. So. Did they lose your episode of that? No, 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 no. Mine was fine. Will Anderson seems to be the cursed right. one. Well, right. the, yeah, the other famous thing about him a couple of years ago, he recorded a live podcast at the Melbourne Comedy Festival that was also did the technicians deleted. So he's, oh, he's really? something of a, a curse of recording. Well, I understand. He'd done a whole season of Gruen this year and that got, got wiped <laughs> as well. That's why we're not seeing it this year. There was a whole extra Maxibon ad that he did that got deleted. So. <laughs> the treasure that's gone missing from his canon. Uh, sure. Now, um, we we don't usually take requests uh, from, from listeners, uh, but we've got a request. <laughs> Please uh, stop doing this show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got a request from Osterio to leave their building. Um, no, we've got a request from a, from a listener here um, that's asked about uh, something about you, about a, a story about La Paqueta. It was a request from D. O'Neill of, of, uh, oh, <laughs> of yes. Fairfield, Melbourne. Dave, Dave uh, what, 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 did, what did he want? Did he want that story, did he? No, yeah. this, this is the thing. So he sometimes when, we, when we're going to do like a, an episode, uh, we'll pass him and he'll be like, oh, who have you got on the show? And this time it was you. And he goes, oh, yeah, ask him, bloody ask him about La Paqueta. Uh, yeah, just ask him that. But having said that, as a heads up, a couple of weeks ago we did an episode with Jamal where he said, oh, ask him about, he used to be a windscreen wiper at Punt, on Punt Road. He used to do that. And so we asked him and said, oh, you know, when you used to be a windscreen wiper. And he went, I've never done that in my life. So this might be just a, a, a regular segment where Dave O'Neill tries to stitch us up with people more famous than ourselves. No, no, he's quite right. There is a story which did take da- – I mean, it takes Dave. He, he, he enjoys this story. Right. This is a st- I'm telling is it this story. Because it involves pizza? Is that uh, I think because it's in the proximity of pizza. I think anything in the orbit of anything vaguely edible is a good story yep, for Dave. Yep. So it may well be only a story for Dave, who, of course, has heard it and B is probably not listening to this. No. Yeah, not at I'm all. I'm happy to tell it anyway. Because he did, as we were leaving, he was like – I get him to tell it. I mean, I find it funny in that way to suggest that it's not just trying to kind of lower our expectations for it. I think. All right. Well, I was. But I still, I want to hear it. Let's hear I'll, it. I'll tell you the story. I was on a radio show called Vega. Mm-hmm. It was a radio station, I guess, yep. uh, sort of. It's now called, <laughs> now called Smooth FM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with three O's or four, perhaps. For and Michael Bublé is kind of like the poster boy of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, I guess he's replaced Dave and I as possible right. DJs for it. Anyway, I was telling. I, I wasn't even a story. I was just talking, and the ca- and the microphone <laughs> happened to be on. That was the level I was working at yeah. by the end of it all. And uh, 
Dave found this amusing. Um, I, I was talking, we were always told on radio to um, tell stories from our life. And I do nothing, really, in my <laughs> life. So I said, oh, well, yeah, he said, what did you do on the weekend? I said, oh, and I just went to, um, I, just, I just went out for dinner with the, with the children and my wife. Oh, where'd you go? Oh, I went to a little, uh, little bistro. Oh, yeah, which one? Yeah, Dave, you know, just wants the detail. I don't know why, what's colour. I he said, wants to oh, know what suburb you're in. He loves suburbs. He loves yeah. that, yeah. It's Where like, people went to school. He opens up a matrix with. for him. You know, he's got a story for every suburb. <laughs> yeah, he's like yeah. a travelling salesman. He knows, knows every, everyone's name. Every college, every school, every nightclub in particular yeah. of any postcode in And Melbourne. you know why that is? It's because he's so, he's so jealous and he's so envious of other people. <laughs> and he stores all this information away. And it's all, it's all right, rankings. You know, he goes, oh, oh, okay, really? well, oh, you live there, do you? Well, I live there. Okay, right. Yeah, because he's, he's worth about 10 mil. Right, Dave. Right. Yeah, he's very, very rich and lives in Turak. <laughs> he pretends he's unemployed and still living down in Footscray somewhere. Anyway, I, was, I went to, I live in Williamstown, so, you know, he would go, oh, oh, the West. Oh, yeah, we live in the West. Dave, you haven't lived in the West for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what was the name of the, what was the name of the bistro that you're referring to, or restaurant, I think I called it. I was very fancy, didn't even use the letter T at the end of it. Restaurant, I said a restaurant. And uh, I said, oh, it was uh, La Porqueta, I don't know if you know it. He said, and he starts laughing. I said, what are you, what's so funny? He said, well, that's, that's a chain. And they're what? <laughs> what, you thought it was a, a bistro? You thought it was a, just a one-off? I said, yeah, I just assumed it was a, a small Italian pizzeria, you know? And he found that amusing. It's not even a story. He's just he's, laughing at my ignorance. And he's done the great thing about it where the, him, the description of the story from him is actually kind of the punchline yeah, of yeah. the story as well. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Hey, do, tell a joke about where your face rings a bell when, the, when you cross a moto and tell that one. Yeah, he's, like, he's like a wife who doesn't understand anything yes, about comedy. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And it's, he's told me that story of you not knowing La Puketa, but he It's oh, one of the great Australian yards. <laughs> I think I saw Maury Fields telling it about 20 years <laughs> ago. He told it better than I. Simon Mungrel goes into a pizza bistro. <laughs> no. But he, was, he told me that you were upset that you saw another La Boquette. He said, oh, your favourite pizza place got opened up. And he was oh. like, nah, it's a, it's a big – and it t- he had to explain to you that it was a big chain. That's what, that was the version he told Oh, me. I think that is right. I think that's oh, okay. what happened. Yeah, yeah, no, Regardless no. of what version yeah, it is, in the, the consistency is that Dave O'Neill is the font of all knowledge yes. in, in both of them, he which knew, I like. He knew. I didn't know. I was perfectly happy in my ignorance. And I thought, isn't this a lovely yeah. place? And why, why, why spoil that for me? <laughs> why suddenly reduce it to the level of Pizza Hut? A quality product, I'm sure. <laughs> was was Dave on Vega with you when you played uh, Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols at like <laughs> seven in the morning, whatever it was? Uh, yes, I believe he was uh, around and did... <laughs> And at the end of a, a show, we would sit down and listen to various bits. And we we're all hoping, perhaps, that the programmer hadn't heard that. But uh, he had. Yes, we did. We, it, was a, it was a listener request. Uh, I think we dared them to ring up and, and vote it off. But we did play Anarchy in the UK at, at I believe, it might have been even 8 o'clock. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, it was the live version that they did in Texas, which sounds really ropey. It's a really bad live version of that song. That would have been one of their last gigs. That's the last gig when they said, yeah. uh, do you yeah. feel like you've been cheated? That's right. Yeah. Is it that exact one? All right, mate. Spicks and Specs is finished, yeah, okay. right? <laughs> <laughs> still on. Still on. <laughs> Two points. Well, with Dave O'Neill saying, uh, 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 saying that, like a little bit of Spicks and Specs trivia for people out there is that in the writer's room, Josh and I are both uh, – Josh writes jokes as well as, uh, as hosts the show, and we've got other people in the writing, writer's room. But we had a, a – like a, a – poster on the wall, our little rule of uh, jokes and intros, which was uh, fact plus gag equals gold. 
that was it, wasn't it? Yeah, and so that's for any questions. We have a little fact about the question, to, uh, extra information, and then a joke off the back of that. That's what we're going for. Yeah, that's that's what you want with a bit of uh, music trivia. That's, so that's wonder. That's alchemy. Yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. So we you guys are like Walt and Jesse, yeah. <laughs> cooking up comedy. <laughs> yeah. So we had that with intros as well, but we changed that for Dave O'Neill. Whenever he's on the show, it turned into fat plus gag <laughs> equals gold because every single joke, every single intro for him was going to be. Oh, he's, he's, he's done this something about this in his life. Oh, and he also ate a lot of food. Here's Dave O'Neill. <laughs> Whatever happened, uh, we'd wedge pizza in there or pastrami or something into something that he'd done in his life. Because he said he got someone on Twitter write to him and say, hey, do you realise that every single time you're introduced on Spicks and Specs, they make a fat joke? Yeah. And he's like, oh, yeah, I, do, I am. But yeah. we didn't do it the last one. The last one because the panel that day, were, they were quite a big panel. Yeah. And so <laughs> there was someone on the show bigger than Dave. Oh, so we okay. thought, oh, we just can't make it about a fat joke about Dave. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we probably could have got away with a skinny joke about Dave that night, I think. But anyway. <laughs> um, hey, this, now see something I've always wanted to say to you, Sean, and that is before I got into comedy, I, um, I was published in the newspaper twice in my life and one of them was because of you. Now, this is when, and I was reminded of this the other day because I watched an episode uh, uh, of your show where uh, you've got your sign, your old sign, your McAuliffe Tonight sign. Oh, yes. Back up in, as part of the Matters Hell. That's set. right. Oh, well, we found that. Yeah. Where did you, oh, did you, was it in your personal storage? Or? No, no, no. We found it because it was, uh, for, for your listeners who don't know, many of whom are probably too young to remember, <laughs> a, a, a variety show that I had on Channel 9 called McAuliffe Tonight yep. got axed after 13 episodes. And it had a lovely blue neon sign in the background. Uh, and it just lay in a storage case for 10 years. And, of course, they've sold the Bendigo Street Studios. Oh, right. It was a Channel 9 storage yeah, case. And yeah, and they were all being burned or they were throwing away everything because I think it's all being turned into, it's turned into an old folks' home or some sort of apartment yes. complex or something. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it was literally going to be landfill out in... Uh, <laughs> Werribee or something, and uh, they said that Out next to Dave O'Neill's house. Do you, want, do, you want, <laughs> do you want it? Do you want? And so we said, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll have it. We'll, we'll go. So we went and picked it up off the out of the skip, essentially, and uh, very much like the knives and forks at your celebration. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we had to, you know, blow a little bit of neon into the tube and uh, lit it up, and so inscrutably and without any explanation, it does appear at the back of Mad as Hell, yeah. uh, quite prominently. So if you were watching it. Uh, if you turned it on and watched it, you would just assume it was called McCullough yes, tonight. Yeah. yeah, I love it though because it's like your house now. Because it's like instead of having the pool room with you know some uh, you know picture of you know you and your your school uniform or something like that, it's just another memory on your pool yes. your pool room wall. Well, I'm, there's nothing else. I, c- I can't think of any other way to use it yeah. at all. Yeah, uh, and bad. I don't want to put it in the packing packing case it would uh, it needs to be used if things are made they need to be used that'd be great if you put it out the front of your house like just like an old one of those old Peter's ice cream oh, oh yeah would, I think Christmas time would be nice <laughs> we, we fail to compete with the neighbours who have lovely uh, tree decorations and yeah, it's adorning the roof move into that street in like Ivanhoe where they have the, the avenue oh, or the boulevard yeah. yeah yeah. just you set up you just, just auction that off just but, auction the McAuliffe sign off to one of those houses but what pressure would there be if you moved in <laughs> yeah. you weren't aware but by the end of the year you go oh what oh, but what? you do you walk down that street and there's houses not even with a light globe on out the front of the house oh, really? and you go why are you living in that street like that's yeah. there must be pretty intense pressure from the neighbours going I would have thought so I would have thought so and, you know, how's your global footprint going? Yeah, well, yeah. Around Christmas time. Yeah. It's appalling. Now, I bring that up because... Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, you were published twice? Yes, I was published twice. And one of them was because of you. Now, when um, McAuliffe Tonight was on air, that was pre-me being in comedy. 
And uh, at the time, and I'm sure you, you're aware of this, at the time, the editor of the Herald Sun's TV guide was quite anti you and your show. Yes, I remember, yes. If we, if I, Robert Fidgen was the editor at the time, and you know you shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but he was a particularly fat dickhead, so I think we can make an exception. He, he wasn't him. a fan. Uh, look, I'll give you that. He, he didn't, didn't, <laughs> oh, thank you. He, he, didn't like, uh, he didn't like a lot of what I did, and particularly that year. Yes, yes. Now, he, I remember him just going on just a relentless sort of barrage against you. Yeah, there was a whole swag of things. Because I'd done a sitcom, which admittedly wasn't that good. But he every week he would bag it. And this was yeah. in the lead up to McAuliffe Tonight starting. Right, right. Yeah, and I remember him getting into the first couple of weeks and just – it was just every week. It was this weird personal vendetta he had against mm. you. It was, it was bizarre to me. And I, I'd never done this before, but I was – and this is when I was actually living in Williamstown. I was living in Williamstown and I had this long train ride to go to my job in Hawthorne every day. And I read it every week, Robert Fidgen bagging you. And because I was quite a fan, I was like, oh, when's this guy going to let up? And then one week he just wrote this really bad one and I got really mad and I turned into like a much – a 60-year-old version of me. And I went, <laughs> I'm going to write a letter. Wow. And I wrote a letter into Robert Fidgen, the Herald Sun. And this, this, but it was like an angry letter. It wasn't one of those cool off things. It was just me furiously scribbling on the tram this letter <laughs> to the Herald Sun and then sent it off and then just completely forgot about it. And then like four or five weeks later, I'd completely forgotten about it. And I'm, I'm sitting on the same train coming into work on the Wednesday morning and I read the Herald Sun and there it is. They've published the entire letter that I've written as not as like one of those little segments or anything, but it's their page three spread. Ooh. So it's just a picture of you and then my entire letter for the whole page, right? <laughs> and it was just after McAuliffe tonight had got axed. And so he just went, here's a letter from someone that didn't, that does like McAuliffe and just printed the whole thing. And it's pretty venomous, the letter, in, in my like for McAuliffe tonight and my dislike for all the examples of people that he said were better than you in your show. And so I go pretty hard and at the end he even says at the end, we had to cut quite a bit of this because 80% of this letter was very libelous and there was a lot of bad words involved towards these other personalities, towards me, towards my weight. <laughs> I'd love wow, it Carl, I, I, gotta, I, I thank you for the many years ago doing this, defending me many years ago. I'd love it if they'd done that thing that they sometimes do where they've got the, the Print out like the typing of the letter, but then they've ta- they've also scanned the handwritten thing yeah. in just so you can see the kind of <laughs> maniacal handwriting yeah. that's gone into it. Like get a load of this serial killer who wrote this. Yeah, so it does all that right, and then his little response, his little coder at the end of it was going, <laughs> "Well, there we go. Well, I've let the writer reply in, but you know what? At the end of the day, his show got the axe. I guess who wins? I guess it's me. <laughs> the end. Yeah, interesting that he held off until then. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you now the reason. One of the reasons. I mean, I can't pretend to to understand the mind of a man who I'm not, you know, who's not me. But uh, Robert Fidgen, um, I met once, and he it was just before I hosted the Logies back in 2001, so many years ago. And uh, he met me. He asked to have lunch with me, so we went out and had lunch, and we were talking generally. And this was at the time when he had a bit of a vendetta against Mick Malloy, who had just done a show. The Mick Malloy show on Channel Yeah, it must have been well. that one. Yeah. And he, he pretty much had a similar attitude to Mick. He didn't like Mick. He, he was a former employee, Robert Fidgen, of Channel 9. And he, I think his wife might have worked there. And he was very very much the old guard, very much a defender of the traditions there at Channel 9. Right. So the thought of Mick or myself doing a Tonight Show was, you know, was, was quite contrary to what he believed the direction of the network should be. But anyway, he didn't know me. He knew Mick. He didn't like Mick. Uh, and I... 
wasn't aware of who Robert Fidgen was. And I remember him saying, what, he said to me, what do you think of McMullen? I said, oh, I think he's funny. He's a nice guy. I vaguely know. What do you think of his show? He said rather provocatively. And I said, and I hadn't, I'm, I hadn't seen a lot of the show. Uh, it wasn't my show to defend. I felt I was being led down a track. And so I, was, I played a straight bat to it and said, I thought it was a good, it's a very funny show. It's, a, it's this and that, you know, host of Logies. I'm not going to stir any trouble in a mix of friend. Anyway, he, um, so in the way of just having conversation with him, I said, I said, yeah, yeah, people, people react interestingly to me. Lord, there's, there's some critic, I can't think of his name. Um, and I legitimately didn't know it was Fidgen that I was trying to remember. I thought he wrote for The Age. I thought it was the other guy that wrote for The Age, whose name I forget. Yeah. And I said, yeah, yeah, he's really obsessed with him. I can't think of who he is. But he goes on and on about him every week. He's bagging him. He's got some personal problem with him. And he really obviously has nothing to write about. And I suppose it must be really hard trying to grout together a couple of lines in between the ads in these pages so effectively I had inadvertently paid him out he didn't he didn't say oh it's me yeah yeah uh, he, got he, he kept his powder dry and then yeah. waited until the next couple of productions that I did but I think that may well have fueled his animosity towards yeah. me yeah perhaps uh, Mick had Lee Patch on his show who was one of the writers for the Herald Sun that's right TV. Yeah. he was actually doing like reviews and stuff so to get Bagged out by the Herald Sun when you employed one of their writers yeah. to actually work on your show. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it was. It must have been pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this letter that went into the Herald Sun that I wrote, so it, it went in, and I was like shocked. I'm sitting on the train going, "I've written a whole page of his TV guide. Like the main page is the page three. Have you still got TV it? Guide. Have you got it? A... No, I don't. Oh. I don't. But um, be great. Uh, yeah, I should have. But here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. At the end of that, I went, "Oh, this is this is a nice little ego sort of thing that I've written this whole thing." But then I realised because it was like a month before. For whatever reason, I've gone mad and written this crazy letter to the Herald Sun. And then at the end of, I've, I've had this moment of I don't know clarity or sanity or something where I've gone, oh, "I'm not leaving my real name on this." Oh. And then I've put in, I've signed it off as a guy that I used to <laughs> as, as one of the town crazies from the small town of Maryborough where I grew up. And I signed it off as a guy called Mark Moak. And this is the name of a guy. That wasn't even his name. It was just the name of a crazy guy called Mark who used to walk up and down the street asking for a smoke or a moak, as it were. And he'd walk up and go, moak, moak, moak. And we used to make him do star jumps for cigarettes uh, down the high street of Maribor. So I signed off as Mark Moak. So that whole thing went in there. And then it went, signed off Mark Moak. And so then all these people in Maribor thought he'd written the letter somehow. But then there was quite a significant number of people that still thought I'd written the letter. And I was like, why would you think I'd write the letter? And they went, it's just something you'd do, write this crazy letter and then sign it off to a homeless man in Maribor. I like how you're getting angry about that even though they're right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting all defensive about yeah. it. So that's, uh, that's, that's one. The, the, other, the second published moment I had in, in a, you know, just a – just a respect, just as a respected publication as Herald Sun, is I also had a complaint letter written to Mad Magazine that I got in. Oh. in the, so if you want to go back, if you're a collector, if you want to go back into 1990, the uh, the Mark Moak, is it Mark Moak? Yeah. <laughs> the no, lighter side of star me. jumps. Oh, he had a, some complaints. No, it's actually Sunshine me. Johnson. This is no, this is my one moment in the sun. Uh, well, not really, but uh, yeah. So it's, it's me in there in the 1990 edition where with a parody Batman. I mean, I, who knows what they called him in that? <laughs> but, but but I get in there and I, I actually remember I was. <laughs> criticising Mad Magazine. It was just when I'd gotten old enough to go, oh, this 
this magazine isn't that good after all. And I wrote in and listed all the bad things about Mad Magazine. Oh, no. And I think that was like the 12th letter I'd ever written a Mad Magazine. They published the one where I just shit can it oh. for like a paragraph. You're so. an old school blogger. So yeah. is this, yeah. a, this the Australian Mad yes. Magazine? Well, fair enough. Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Because I, I used to get used to read Mad Magazine, but before there was an Australian yes. version. And so it was, I always thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but then there was a another magazine that came out called Crack, yes. Yes. which was shit. Yes, yeah. still yes. out there. Cracked, still it, out there. Crack, was it? Cracked an Australian one? Or was no, that no, American? no. It was American. It's, okay. it's ironically, it's because it was always the inferior version. Like yeah. you'd go on holidays, and if there was a Cracked, it'd be like, oh, if you have to, I guess. <laughs> like I've I've read Mad. Like there's Cracked. that was crazy. There was a couple of other really poor versions of Mad magazine. But uh, but weirdly enough, Mad has sort of is sort of off the off the scene sort of thing now and whereas Cracked is quite strong online isn't it Cracked has it yeah Cracked's a web like a funny or die style website yeah. where they have lots of videos and stuff it's weird that it's been sort of the winner out after all that but. I remember Charlie Pickering came up to me and uh, this is uh, what we were doing talking about a generation he says have a look at this have a look at this and it was a copy of the Australian Man magazine which had done a parody of, of the project oh, so right. he had been rendered in the Mad Magazine style, oh, yeah. which Big he was chin. very proud of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, again, I don't know what the project's punny title was. The, the Fojek, yeah, maybe? The Reject. The Reject. The, the, reject, the, reject, the, reject, yeah. the Blechject, maybe? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was growing up, there was Australian Mad, but it was a kind of a cat. It was half content yes. that they just well, that's the one I drafted from just the American in. one. Yes. And even being young and not quite getting you know, exactly what was going on. Boy, you could tell. There yes. was a <laughs> yeah. large skim, skim disparity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just suddenly the art is just awful and the and – the, yeah. I seem to remember the, the, the ink being a little faded too. Yes. The yeah. toner wasn't yeah. quite and, right. And it was printed on like butcher's paper and like <laughs> weird cardboard <laughs> yeah. and stuff. It was like, a supplement. Because I was a genuine fanatical follower of Mad Magazine and I've still got the collection – uh, at my mum and dad's house of like 400 Mad magazines. They're in plastic bags and everything. However, I don't think I'll ever read any of them again because I, I got to a stage in my fanaticism about collecting Mad magazine and comic books and stuff where I bought myself, as a 12-year-old, I bought myself <laughs> a, a filing cabinet to keep them in. So instead of saving money to get anything cool, it was like a, a, I went down to an office supplies and lay by it and put in my wow. 10 bucks of, co- of, of uh, pocket money every you week to buy it. invested in infrastructure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. In, in admin, I was a big fan of admin pre pubescent admin fans. So. Well, I, hate, I hated the, uh, the 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 half and half version of the Mad Magazine. Yeah. And I do remember that. It's probably when I stopped buying it uh, because I knew that you were getting less of the American version and more of the Australian version. There must have been some pages taken out. Yeah. Yes, in order and to... they wouldn't be picky about what they'd recycle. Like you'd be reading a, a parody of like whatever, MASH from 10 years ago and then all of a sudden there'd be a bad drawing of John Howard with his bum hanging out or whatever and you'd go, this is – is this the same – these are like uh, next to each that's other. That would be a super special. Yeah. Look, that's, that's what they are. They're compilations. Yeah. Um, Did you collect anything when you were a kid? What was uh, your big – Well, like, comic books were a big thing. I mean I used to get the – and they were only 25 cents, 15 cents perhaps. Well, I just want to say at the end of that story, yep. what I was going to say, that filing cabinet, I can no longer look at any of that stuff anymore because I went swimming – uh, with the key in my pocket, and it's at the bottom of Deep Creek in Carisbrook. So that, there's just a 
filing cabinet full of 400 Mad magazines, a bunch of Spider-Man comics, some Doctor Who stuff in there, and that is just a time capsule without being buried. It just sat in my old room for like 20 years now. I reckon, I reckon those keys are pretty – I reckon yeah. you could probably pretty much go into any second-hand goods shop and right, buy a yeah. key for two cents yeah. sure. and it will probably open it. I also it. reckon yeah, yeah. the lock might not be the strongest either. I don't reckon yeah. the, the, the structure of the safe. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's something that was bought with a 10-year-old's pocket money. Yeah. I reckon you could get in there pretty easy. Yeah. But you do the right thing because I think, I think a lot of people now, they say, oh, yeah, I've got comics out in the garage. They must be worth a fortune. Of course, they're not. They're, mm. all, they're all yellow and they're, they're half-eaten yeah. by mice and everything. But yours will be in pristine condition. I don't think, yeah, but I don't think that matters as much as back then because I got into collecting stuff like that and things were rare because there wasn't that many printed of them. Whereas I think I got into comic books and stuff like that at a period where they started printing a million of them. So I don't think at any stage Mad Magazines will ever be collectible again, especially not the Australian ones, obviously. I I don't think anyone would want them. That's why there has to be a demand for them. But I used to to buy the Jerry Lewis comic books and they were 15, 20, 25 cents. I think that's as high as they got. Maybe 50 cents. And they were... That would have been much funnier than any comic books about girls. Well, that would have been uh, much funnier than his any opinion. Jerry Lewis film during the <laughs> 1970s. So these came out in the 70s and 80s. I, was, I never could quite work out why a man's film career had finished and they were still making comic yeah. books about it. He is still having adventures. Yeah. So those were the ones. Phantoms, I always had Phantoms for some reason, although I never really liked them. But I think people used to think, oh, yeah, I'll buy Sean. A comic, yeah. Maybe it was cheap. I can't remember. I think it was a thing where you, your mum and dad would go, we were into, yeah, comic books are Phantom. That's what they are. Because I think are. my dad would buy me Phantom comics mm, and yeah. I'd be like, these aren't funny at all. Why am, <laughs> why am I reading a comic book where things are serious? He lives in a cave. He's got a dog. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a girlfriend. Yeah. And he, I don't oh, think he had much to offer. Diane, I think her name oh, was. Oh, right. No, okay. I don't think he had much to offer, really. He had yeah. a, a throne with a skull on it and he'd yeah. live in a cave. Was I, there always a Diane as well? Like, was the, was yeah, it the he, Diane he, that walks that just kept going through right. eternity? Maybe he was probably going out with his own daughter at some point. I don't know how that worked, man. Now you say it, I don't know how that worked. <laughs> that, Diane waiting for eternity. Who'd have thought, Carl? Oh. <laughs> that um, that thing of like there being a Jerry Lewis comic book, like that's that's kind of a thing that's gone out, hasn't it? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, when you'd have like like the Harlem Globetrotters would turn up on Scooby Doo and stuff like that, like these animated features of kind of real people. That needs you couldn't, to come. You couldn't have a Jonah Hill comic book every every yeah. month these days, yeah. would you? The only comic I've ever bought is the Martin Malloy comic book. Oh yeah, I oh, remember that. Yeah, yep. I don't know how many editions. I only bought one, and it wasn't. And they did a barge ass comic bought, you as did well. Buy a filing cabinet for it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. I bought the filing cabinet first and just wanted something to feel it. <laughs> yeah. That's did, right. Did, yeah. Did, did, Sean, did you? So, have you ever appeared in Mad magazine? Have you ever got? Because I think that's the height of fame. Uh, I did get a. I did. Somebody was submitting something to um, Mad Magazine Australian. Uh, and asked whether I would write something, and they would do the comic, comic the drawing part yeah. of it. Yeah, so I I did it I, just for the fun of it. I just it was a, a dear Dorothy sort of thing, you know, where you write in and they suggest a solution to it. So I, I wrote the copy essentially, and this guy did the art, and he managed to sell it. Right, uh, and it did appear. So there is a oh, cartoon wow. of of me in Australian Man Magazine. It's oh, not great. quite in the same Charlie Pickering style. Right, yeah. right. Uh, so it's not Sean McCall's the lighter side of Lapoketa. You love It's called. It has my name in it, and it's a uh, and it's sort of my advice and everything. But I, yeah, it's a it's a. An outside artist, so it yeah. doesn't look like it's in the mad style. It's very nice and very well done and everything. That would be uh, weird if you were in there being lampooned when what you do is already comedy. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? If they're going, ah, yeah. do they do this. that? Or do they, they, they don't remember what they oh, do. Oh, but they, they do, yeah, with yeah. comedy movies they sort of do, yeah, don't they? Yeah, that was they? always weird. They would yeah. parody a comedy movie and you're like, the jokes, are, you're only just making the same jokes again. Yeah. Like, Borat, like, 
B O R E A T. And <laughs> you know, there's there's only so much you can parody a character that's already a parody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was a weird choice. Yeah. Have I talked on the show about when I went to the Mad Magazine offices? Have oh. I told that story on here before? Wow, yeah. on Madison Avenue. Yeah, is that where yeah, it is? yeah. When no, I, no, no. You wouldn't have gone to Madison Avenue because I went to New York. Uh, it would have been before that, and I turned up to Madison Avenue on the old address and just stood there, and there was. It wasn't there, and someone just came by with a delivery and went, just laughed at me and went, Hey, buddy, Mad Magazine hasn't been here for 10 years. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And that was it. <laughs> They're <laughs> friendly w- over there, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was when I was like 12. It's in Broadway. We went, we went on a family holiday, um, and this, the Simpsons episode where Bart does that had been on like not long before we went. And it was my dad's idea. He's like, Let's just look it up in the phone book and just go. And I was like, okay. So we go and we, you know, we go up to this top floor and it's, big, you know, big kind of fiberglass Alfred E. Newman thing kind of at the reception and the receptionist and we just walk in and she's like, hi. And my dad goes, yeah, we're, uh, you know, we're here for the, have a tour, you know, do whatever the tour is, whatever we can just go around and see. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure this happens all the time. And she goes, this has never happened before. <laughs> she goes, you can just go into our writer's room if you want. And we're like, great. And so we just get led into a room not dissimilar to this. And she goes, hi, the, guys, These two. this is some kid and his dad from Australia. Um, I guess they just wanted to see what's going on. And they're like, they're like on a deadline. So they're just angry that, you know – that we're taking up their time. And then they took me into I like this... The, the deadline is like Don Martin sitting there going, oh, now what's this What's this muffin going to make a sound effect of when I'm sitting on it? What's that going to sound like? But then they well, took the guy this... who does the fold-ins going, I yeah. can't make this work. <laughs> it keeps folding into yeah. something that doesn't make any sense. I've got to reverse engineer this thing. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, the fold-in this week is going to be us kicking this snotty little kid out of yeah. the office. Did they draw you? No, oh. they, gave, they, they took us into a room where it was like a small like stationary room where it was just piled full of mad magazines and said just take as many as you want and then they were doing they were doing um an edition that was some kind of anniversary or something that was kind of um the cover was like lots of little images of past covers yeah yeah right a little mosaic sort of yeah, yeah yeah and they'd just done they'd gotten the old um, covers out to take photos of. So they gave us the original photos that they were using to lay down to, to then take the big photo of the cover. Does right. that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they gave us these little – so did walked out with – I think we got like a, a sketch – like someone in the – there was like a sketch from – I can't even remember who lying around. But again, a thing where that would be – some of that stuff would probably be worth a fair bit now. You know no what? That's a great it story about your dad. Your dad, Isn't it? Your dad's yeah. a pretty cool dad to do that. Yeah, yeah. That's a great just thing. getting to New York and yeah, just looking him up in the phone book and going, "Mad, well, that can only be one thing. Let's just go there now." And it was like the first day we were there, and Mum's like, "No, no Central Park, no." <laughs> so what am I? I'm just sitting here in the hotel room by myself. Am I a oh, good one? Great family holiday we're having and it here. It costs nothing. That's yeah, a, that's a great yeah. thing. Maybe yeah. maybe you hopped on the subway, but it costs yeah. nothing to get. And yeah. I, I know for a fact that they now do tours around there. Right. So I think you were the guy they who instigated. They call that. it the Dasselot. Oh, right. <laughs> the Dasselow Wing, that's what that room yeah. Yeah. Free comics in, is now called. Yeah, have we been into the, the magazine pile room yet? <laughs> but that's but the, the, the weird thing about it was because that Simpsons episode had been out for long enough and that's kind of such a big scene of that is like Bart rocking up there that it was just – my dad was just fascinated by the fact that they were so taken aback by the fact that we turned up. It's yeah. like this must have been happening a lot like – you know, after that episode. Yeah. And we, it honestly seemed like 
we were the first people to ever have any interest I'm in. I'm sure I did the same thing and I would have done that before you. So what year was that, do you think? Um, he was 12, so it would have been like two years ago. <laughs> oh, <Hey>. Jesus. <laughs> um, no, 16 years ago. So what's that? 90, is that 98? 90, I think around 97. Right. Okay. Well, I definitely... Oh, okay. That sure would have been sure you didn't go me. into the cracked building? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was... That was <laughs> See, they took you into the writer's room. They say, look, could you just do pages <laughs> 7 to 23? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I'm nine years old. Oh, okay. Can you do more then? <laughs> yeah. Then we went to London and we went to the Viz offices. Yeah. No, not at all. Yeah. What was Viz? Viz was kind of like the British, but... Dirty, Much wasn't it? Cruder. It was like yeah, that, that bawdy, a bawdy, dirty dick sort of humour, I guess. Wasn't yeah. it? My that, dad once took us to the Edamoga pub, so that's oh, yeah. similar. Yeah. Wow. Not at all. Yeah. We tried to stop off at the Edamoga pub when we went to Canberra to do a gig. I think we successfully stopped off there, but it was, it was just closed down. Closed down, yeah. yeah. That's also a franchise now. Because we were in Queensland, they got an Edamoga pub. Really? Yeah, they branched out. That's weird for a reference to something in. Page thirty-five of Australia <laughs> Australasian Post magazine that's been dead for twenty years. Surely, that's a yeah. Weird... It would have been about twenty years ago. Is there a M- mere male theme park yeah. somewhere <laughs> in New South Wales? There's a home blokes. Did you? What would your equivalent of that been when you were younger, Sean? Would you like where was somewhere? Did you make any pilgrimages to anything that you loved or went anywhere? <laughs> what was your Wally's world? Oh, you because oh. you were Adelaide. You were Adelaide. You were that was Adelaide. it. I, right. didn't le- I didn't leave Adelaide till I came here. <laughs> When I was 31. Right. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, I never never left. Um, no, Kangaroo Island, uh, that was about it. It's the only place I'd been to. Oh, that classic comic strip. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, was I that, mean, we used to, there used to be Was a that thing. the theme park from the kangaroo from Snake Tales? Is that, what, <laughs> is that where that was from? I would never go there. Yeah. Go, souls. Souls. Oh, couldn't, oh. couldn't draw arms. That's why I did a snake. Yeah. Oh, God. I did. Uh, we, we had a thing called Possum's Pages, which was a, which is a thing in, in what, was, what passed for the Sunday paper, which is the Sunday Mail, which was Rupert Murdoch's first newspaper that mm-hmm. he ran himself, and uh, I'm sure he, he didn't look at the material I sent in, but it would encourage children to send in jokes or poems or drawings. And I remember drawing a picture of Mickey Mouse, and uh, it was so bad that the Disney police didn't try and slap a copyright writ on me. <laughs> but it got in, it got in, and you got these points. You, you know, you'd, you'd get a, a bronze certificate, a silver certificate, or a gold certificate, or a star, or something like that. The if newspapers you, ranking the kids that write into the oh, newspaper. Yeah, you'd no, wow. You'd, you'd be you'd be sent this uh, as a thank you. Yeah, and and uh, I can't remember whether it was ranked in the newspaper, but you'd certainly be published. And then uh, if you built up enough of these things, I think you became a possum's <laughs> pal or something like that. You became a member uh, of the, of this organisation. So I was a I was a an active member of this children's. It was a bit like the neo Nazis, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like an arcade where you know those games that you play where the tickets come out and then you can yeah. cash them in for prizes. Right, right. That's well, bizarre. Well, whatever it was, I, my first job then as a nine-year-old was writing material and drawing cartoons for Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. When you mentioned ranking in Tassie, there was a TV show called The Saturday Morning Fun Show, and it was hosted by a guy. What was it about? <laughs> it was hosted by a Howie the Yowie. Yeah, someone's got to close the door. So Howie the Yowie, and you, it, if you were a kid, you send in your photo for your birthday, and they would have a little birthday segment, and your photo would go up. And there was a girl at my school who was quite simian looking. That's a nice way of saying that. Anyway, had her photo and the because they would do captions underneath, and the caption was "Gorillas in the midst." <laughs> this is like an eight-year-old girl sending her thing, and they're just going, "Oh, you look like a monkey." There you go. Oh Done. man! So 
yeah, the Monday at school was amazing. Oh. It was just that great thing of going. Is there a Westgate Bridge it. in Tasmania? <laughs> Is there well, the Hobart Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you saying about um, uh, you drew Mickey Mouse and you, that was your first published appearance? That reminds me of something that's happened similar, uh, not similar, but it reminds me of something very recently. Now I sometimes do some writing for other stand-up comedians, and I had a moment a couple of weeks ago that I didn't know quite what to think of where. I was invited to this stand-up comedian's house, and it's quite a well-known stand-up comedian, um, and so, which I won't name. Uh, but okay, turn, turn the mic off. Yeah. I want to know who it is. <laughs> so, okay, you say who it is. Do you want to say and I'll edit it out? Yeah, say and I'll edit this out. No, but will you edit it? <laughs> out? I will edit it out. Sounds like it's already being edited yeah. out at the moment. <laughs> oh no, it's done. It is. You've got it. I'm going to edit it out. It is. <laughs> So okay, okay, <laughs> right. alrighty, right. This man, right. now it's on. It's also it's on you to remind me as well. Oh no, <laughs> okay, right. So I was invited into his or her house. Uh, went in there. It was it was you know it's sort of a very older sort of a house uh, with a lot of sort of you know classic old memorabilia. You know, sort of. It looked like gold rush era sort of things all around. Let, let me just cut you off and say you're very concerned about listeners being able to work out who it is. Don't give too much signposting of the age and the sort of trinkets that are in the house. Don't right. leave too many clues. Okay, sure. It's well, someone who's established. You, you, yes. You, yes. 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 And, they're, and they're also of a certain age where they've yep. acquired a certain level of comfort in their life. Yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, now this is just a giveaway now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone who's actually made a living out of being a comedian. Dave O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I went in there. Uh, he, he or she was a bit nervous about the whole experience. Uh, so I sat down. Uh, they said, would you like a drink? I said, okay. Uh, they went to the kitchen, came back with a matching set of cups that they'd obviously gotten from McDonald's at some stage over the years. So we both got cl- plastic cups. He got the Mickey Mouse cup and I got the Minnie Mouse cup. And I just sort of thought, this is, this is an odd enough moment. But for me to get the mini is, and he to get the, the Mickey, is this some sort of power play already? Yeah. Do you think? Is that a conscious? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that from the uh, what is it? <laughs> that's from the uh, Art of War. The Art of yeah. War. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Yes, that's classic Art of War. Oh yeah, that's page three. <laughs> that's so, uh, that's very interesting. So you felt you felt um, you felt. Put in my place. Subordinated, yes. You yeah. felt very much the low man on the totem pole. Yes, yes. This is interesting. What if he bought a Pluto? What if he bought? What if it was a goofy? What if he'd have given me a cracked magazine cup? If he bought Mickey Mouse and Goofy, would you have been more comfortable with that? Because they were yes. friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were friends. Or Donald, they were friends. Yes. That or would have been okay. A Dewey and a Huey? Yeah. It's yeah. Like or we're brothers. Snake yeah. from Snake Tales <laughs> and the flower, the talking Snake. flower from oh, Snake Tales. That legendary character. <laughs> He'd be more comfortable with being given a dog. Than a female. Mm, this is interesting, Carl. This is interesting. These are all words put in my mouth. <laughs> no, um, it's a male dog and female mouse. I never understood the relationship. I, I don't know what they would have had in common, Mickey and and Goofy. Yeah, yeah. Mouse because and a dog was was Pluto. But then Goofy the, was, well, Goofy Pluto was a dog. I, yeah. Now here, now we're opening yeah. up a whole new yeah, world. This here. is always even at a young age. I remember being very bothered by this. Yeah, Goofy, a dog, clearly wearing clothes and a hat. Yes, yeah. goober nuts and turns into super goof. I think at some point, yeah, an alter ego. So there he lives a dual life. Uh, he also has a pet dog who wears no clothes and yeah. is clearly a dog. Was Goofy exactly Mickey's this? pet? No, no, Goofy's, no, Goofy's his mate. Pluto's oh. is Mickey's mm. pet. 
Right. And Pluto's, they're both dogs. They're both dogs. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. So, so if the dog walks in the room and is wearing clothes, he knows it's Goofy. If the dog walks in the room <laughs> naked, he knows it's Pluto. They should have had episodes where Goofy kind of pranks Mickey and comes in in the nude yeah. and <laughs> pretends to be Pluto just yeah. to kind of hear what he says about him when he's not around. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, who's he going to turn to for advice? A duck? Yeah. So a duck. Can't understand what the hell he's saying. Does that mean if, if a mouse with no clothes on walks into Mickey Mouse's house, that's vermin? Yeah, like yeah. that's you could Mickey can go. Where are the exterminators? I don't know if, no, I don't know if it works that way. I right. think the only confusion because you have the Beagle Boys, who right. are three dogs who rob banks and they're quite you know they're, they're, they're sort of but they're guys, but they're dogs. So dogs seem to be the predominant species right. in Mickey's world. I know of no other mouse other than Mickey and Minnie. Yep. I don't think they had children or nephews, did they? I no, no. Certainly Mickey. So Donald had nephews yeah. and they were ducks. Yeah. But I don't, and Daisy, of course. So you've got a family of ducks. A, s- a small unit, uh, a nuclear family of ducks, a nuclear family. <laughs> oh, actually, their boyfriend and girlfriend, Mickey and Minnie. No, they're courting yeah. constantly. Courting. Yes, yes. Uh, when is he going to pop the question? Yeah. Never, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. Never. So you were okay this night when you were over at his or her house. Yes, yes. Um, anyway, um, yeah, so I think it's a world of dogs, Planet of the Dogs, right. by Pierre Boulet. Uh, incidentally, a side issue here. Pierre Boulet wrote Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. He also wrote Bridge Over the River Kwai. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, right. Those stra- two books that have no connection with each other well, at all. Well, the guy who wrote Bond also wrote Chitty Chitty Bang Bang yeah, as well. Quite yeah, quite right. What, a, what kind of crazy world are we living yeah. in? <laughs> well, here's what I've always had a problem with. The guy uh, uh, that wrote, uh, Michael Crichton that wrote Jurassic Park also wrote Westworld, which is the same movie except with dinosaurs instead of Yol Brynner. How did he get away with it? <laughs> How did he get away with it? Well, exactly he had until movie. now. It was exactly the same movie, except with, you know, with a bald robot instead of 1,700-feet dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. Right, you know. Yeah. Mind you, Bolt is exactly the same as Toy Story. Bolt? Yeah, Bolt's about a dog, a movie dog. He thinks he's a, a superhero. Oh. And uh, doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't the main space, uh, what's his name, in... Um, Toy Story? What's Buzz. Yeah, Buzz Lightyear thinks he's a real yeah. spaceman. It's exactly the same story. But is that written by the same person? No. No. no they're, they're made by the same people, aren't oh, they? Okay. I think. And also the other, the other thing is, you know, Herbie fully, Herbie fully Loaded is exactly the same as Racing Stripes, but a zebra. <laughs> exactly the same film. What's Racing Stripes? I can't stripes? believe you've seen Racing, Racing Stripes. Racing Stripes is a film about, well, you know, it's a horse racing film and instead of a horse they have a zebra. Oh. Imagine. Imagine right. that, I winning can't. the race on a zebra. Yeah. <laughs> Who stars? Who's, who's that a vehicle for? Well, I don't know. I, I, I know that Lindsay Lohan starred in Herbie Fully Loaded, yeah. the reboot of the, the reboot. Herbie franchise. Yeah. Racing Stripes from Memory, it's one of those animated films where it's oh, all it's just kind of, isn't it? No, oh, but it's... it's you thought you, you were impressed with the level of animation in this film. <laughs> it's because it was real. <laughs> That's what's changed in the three years since you were on this show, the right. level of animation. Now they'd it. Now they, that, then they couldn't afford it. <laughs> on the last time you were on, Sean, you, we, in, in, the, uh, you know, in the process of conversation, we got onto a bit where you did an impression of, uh, was it Con the Fruiterer as Milo Kerrigan? Yeah. Or, or whichever wow. way around it was. Well, this should have remained lost. <laughs> so. Well, because that's what I was going to say. I can't think how you could have, we could have possibly gotten to that. <laughs> I, well, because what I was going to say was since you did that, we then have had a couple of people that we know working on other things who were interviewing you who said that they just kind of bought it up and just got you to do it on their show. So just given that this seems to be a bit of a breeding ground for other people's kind of interview questions and stuff, 
if there's anything you, that you'd particularly like to do, you know, for your next, you know, press engagements for the next two years, right. well, let, let now's me, the time to put it out there, you let know. Let me close the circle on this, all right? <laughs> let, let me do... I, do I, I think what Dasso's trying to say is... Do it. <laughs> no, do no, the voice. No, I'm not asking that at all. <laughs> no, well, if I did, if I did Milo doing Con the Fru- Fruiterer, maybe I should do Con the Fruiterer doing Milo. Oh, okay. Oh, please. Sure. <laughs> I don't know if it works. <laughs> it, shouldn't it be exactly the same? <laughs> it'd be like having a half and half. No, no, it'd be because. Okay, so so Milo, Milo doing Alfred E. Newman. Milo do. <laughs> hang on, Milo doing Con would have been. <laughs> yes, that would have been that. So Con the Fruiterer doing Milo would be. Oh, I What's don't know how to do it. Well, I'm just trying to think. What <laughs> quote of Milo is just sort of... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't, it doesn't work. Yeah. I can't do it. Can't well, Mark's just it. in the next room, isn't he? Let's get him in. He can... Yeah, well, he's your next interview. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I have been... Uh, my girlfriend is, has been away for the last three weeks, so I've been kind of at home uh, by myself. And there's a little part of me... I don't know if you guys have, have had this before, but, like, you know, my girlfriend is totally, like... She's, she never goes, oh, where are you going? Like, don't go to that thing or, or whatever. In no way is she demanding about, you know, my time or what I do or whatever. But just the simple fact of someone going away and being on your own, there was a part of me that was like, yeah, it's party time. Like, it's just exciting to, to sort of be alone for a bit. So I thought that she'd been away for, like, half a week and it was a Saturday night and I thought, yeah, let's, you know calling up some friends and seeing what was going on. And all of my friends were at a party of a girl that we all sort of know who hates me for reasons that are still completely unclear to me. So all of my friends were doing that. So it went from me being excited Is it because you bagged her in when you went to dinner <laughs> and bagged her TV reviewing? Is that <laughs> so I was excited to kind of – it went from me being amped up to sort of, you know, just let loose on the town to me calling up mum and going – yeah, what are you and Dad doing tonight? And <laughs> Mum goes, oh, we're going to go see that um, the, the Grand uh, Budapest Hotel movie tonight. And I go, oh, yeah, what session and what cinema? I'll, I'll come along. So I, I buy a ticket to go along to the movies with my parents. And oh. then I go, oh, what are we doing before? Are we going out for dinner? And Mum's like, oh, yeah, we're going here. You can, you can come along if you like. So I, you know, I tag along on this dinner with Mum and Dad to this, uh, this pub near where they live. And it was, You're cock-blocking you know, your mum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, you know, it was, it was, it was nice. It was very nice. And uh, the waitress comes over and, and takes our order and stuff, and uh, you know, going through all that. And then she gets to the end of taking our order, and she turns to me and she goes, "By the way, I love the podcast." Oh. And Dad goes, to, turns to her and goes, "How have you heard the podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> A simple waitress. <laughs> have you got access to the internet? Yeah, that's. She just goes because it's on the internet, and so. <laughs> Then she left and it was just this awful thing where because I hadn't seen my parents for a little bit, so I'm just there asking like how Comedy Festival went and I'm just kind of telling them about, you know, things that are coming up and how shows went and stuff and the waitress just keeps walking past the table and I just got very insecure about her just going, oh, God, listen to him just going on and on and on about his career. It was, uh, yeah, it went from being really cool to being... A little. It, it oh, hang on, you, you're having dinner with your parents, and yeah, you know, that's, it was never it was cool. Short, yeah. <laughs> I just realised, yeah, <laughs> it went nowhere. Is what you should have been saying there. But your dad is pretty cool. I can understand why you want to hang out with him. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought we might end up going to. <laughs> the who knows what kind of public- Mad Magazine? <laughs> <laughs> who knows what publication we're going to get crash? <laughs> oh, someone's someone's in here working on an illustration of Julia Gillard. Yeah, this yeah. will be good. Can we so, turn up at the offices of Take Five? There's got heaps of prizes in there. We could grab maybe. <laughs> so how do you interpret the your father's response to the waitress was it was it a 
A comment about that, that how on earth did anyone listen to my son's podcast? That's it. I think that's what it is, yeah. He was shocked that someone he, he doesn't know. Yeah, he does yeah. like, well, not understand podcasts. But, well, but he's been to live shows that we've done where the room's full. So, like, But I get that quite a bit when anyone I ever know has listened to the podcast, even though we've got thousands and thousands of people that listen. But people that you know tend to come up and go, hey, that was really funny. Your podcast really funny. But then again, that's me. I doubt anyone else finds it funny. And you go, well, that was nice the first half. You could have cut it off there. But. I think it's such a personal experience, though. I think listening to a podcast is very different from listening to the radio, which people know and accept as going out to other people. They hear it in cars, for sure. example, where you don't hear a podcast yes. in a car. And it's a far more uh, personal and intimate experience, a bit like reading a novel or, or listening to something that you put together. You can't accidentally hear it. No, you've got to. Yes, that's right. You've got to go out of your way. It's an appointment listening experience. Yes, yes. It's nice this show would be compared to a novel. It's never happened before. (laughs) Not not literature. (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, maybe a a Barbara Cartland novel. (laughs) One of those ones you buy at the airport. What's the one that writes about jockeys all the time? What's his name? (laughs) One of the latter Ben Elton novels maybe. Something, uh, Something quite disposable. I want to know this this author who just writes about jockeys. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of his name now. Uh, Dr. Turf? Dick, Dick, <laughs> Dick Francis, I Dick believe his yeah. name is. Oh, is that okay. Dick Francis? Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. always writes about dead now, of course. Right. And of his course. son his son carries on his legacy. I think his son might write them a bit in much in the way. Oh, really? Much in the way that, uh, yeah, there are many authors. Uh, much in the way the fandom passed his legacy on. <laughs> yes, and, and two guys from Nuriutpa in South Australia mm-hmm. um, for about five or six years did the phantom comics. Right. A small oh, country right. town in South Australia. I do know who that is. It's Glenn Lumsden yes. and David DeVries that's or something right. like that. Yeah, How was, do you know those guys? Because I was quite, like I said, I, hey, look, I had a filing cabinet full of comic books. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I, you don't buy a filing cabinet without knowing a thing yeah, or two. and it was in a cave and you wore a mask and they had a throne <laughs> of skulls. Um, yeah, that's, that's great. I met these guys at a, a comic book convention. Where we we all sat around a table, had dinner. You're publicising your appearance in Mad Magazine. Oh, I was actually hired as the entertainment for the night, right? Which was all bad on their part for for booking me. It was called I can't remember what it's called, Comic Con or something like that. And uh, they had a very famous author who writes a lot of science fiction fantasy, Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, oh, right. yeah. Turned up, and uh, he was the keynote speaker, and I basically was introducing him along with a friend of mine, and we did some. Appalling comedy, <laughs> really appalling comedy. But I sat with these guys and and and, and met them and uh, found their story fascinating. That they would have taken over the mantle of writing, writing the fan. Even though really secretly I didn't like the Phantom comics, I was still impressed. Yeah, yeah. Still impressed. It's a bit like meeting Daryl Summers. You know, you <laughs> yeah. sort of, it's a, you wouldn't bother looking at him on television. But in in reflect, oh, that's Daryl Summers yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the thing. I grew up loving Daryl Summers on TV, and then I remember my nan just going. I hate Daryl Summers. And I was like, I've never heard you say the word hate, ever. I've never seen you express a negative emotion. And that always, I always hung on to that. And as I grew up, I went, oh, I get it. I slowly understood. I slowly got to my nan's level. I yeah. just had that because I just went to the Logies like a couple of weeks back. And it was, oh, we've I, all got stuff going on. But it, was a, it was a room full of that Yeah, going, Mr. Logie. Oh, I went to the Logies. Oh, I'm sitting on hey, the I'm sitting on one third of the rest of us have hosted it before, <laughs> right, mate? So... It was like, oh, there's Rhonda Birchmore. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you would have never registered on your radar no. before Rhonda Birchmore. No. But, yeah. but it sort of does because yeah. it's attrition and you just pick all these things. Oh, I remember Don Lane too. Don Lane Wolf. What's Don Lane? Yeah. Look, yeah. it's Don Lane. <laughs> Molly was just at a table in front of me. Yeah. It was like this. Table because behind you, me and my parents. Well, yeah. No, the table yeah. behind me was the cash cow from Sunrise. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There you that's go. Let's put it into perspective. Yeah. We heard a story Is, about Were you at the kids' table because it's your first year hosting your show? Lawrence Mooney was at the kids or the ABC3 kids' table. Yeah, in the dark. No, I, oh, I, I was I lucky. I was down on not lucky. Did you present? No, no. But what happened was I was, 
I was talking to an I, I couldn't. I didn't watch it. I watched Fast and Furious Six instead. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I was afterwards talking to another comic who was nominated. I won't say his name, but he was nominated. And Is it I, the same one as I was talking about before? <laughs> <laughs> For this story, yes. All right. And I said, "How's your night been?" And he goes, "Well, I just got beat by household. So, how do you think my night's been?" Oh, oh wow! Then, I must have been Peter Hellier. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? There's yeah, only, there was only go. one choice. I think you could have made. Yeah. <laughs> See, that could have been Josh, Josh Thomas. Thomas. Could have been. Uh, could have been uh, Wayne Hope and uh, yep. Robin Butler. See, could have yeah. been all those people. Yeah. It wasn't. Wasn't. Uh, <laughs> we confirmed that. Could have been whoever hosts the Voice. I I was, now I'm only ever going to cut one thing out of an episode, so you guys have to <laughs> decide between right. you which bit, which bit goes. That's all right. Pete last night was tweeting about Offspring, so he's not watching my show. So that's fine. Oh, uh, right. um, but I was um, my yeah, show. I was standing there and um, sorry, Hillsy show. And I was standing there and. Um, Hilsey Junior yeah. show, right? Could have been worse. Talking, talking to people, and could have uh, been Chris Lilly's show. Someone, <laughs> <laughs> and someone came up to me and said, "Oh, excuse me," and I was like, "Oh, this is this is going to be great, brilliant." Oh, they want they've got the camera. Excuse me. I said hi, and they said, "Oh, can you take a photo for me?" And uh, I had to take a photo of uh, is it Paul Fennick from yeah. Yeah. Oh. with uh, with this uh, person who wanted the photo. <laughs> so I took the photo and then handed back the camera. Great, it was that's yeah. exceptional. I like to think of that person, you know, tuning in and seeing Specs and Specs and going for whatever reason, yeah. very <laughs> specifically remembering the yeah. face of that person who took a photo I like to, weeks yeah. ago. Can I tell my Paulie Fennick story? Do you please, want to tell please. This is years ago before the uh, the Fat Pizza movie mm-hmm. thing came out. Uh, probably about six months before, and I was at the Logies, and this was uh, Paul's first appearance. But he turned up dressed much in the way that he turned yep. up recently in a co- sort of costume, Which I like in I character. Think, yeah. He goes to the effort. That's yeah. good. Points to him. And he came in. Now he's he's uh, Fennec and McCalla for both Maltese surnames. So he saw in me a kindred spirit, and he came up and he. In many ways, you are. Yeah, yeah. We are. We are. We are. We're we're both. Uh, You're both bad boys of comedy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We are. We have that, and we have we have that Maltese connection, that unspoken bond between two men of similar age. You both throw thongs. You both love bogans, and we're both into comedy in a big way. Yeah. yeah. And he was making a movie, and he came up and he said, "Oh, McAuliffe, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here man." And I, I said, "Oh, Paulie, nice to meet you." And you know, you know, you think you know everybody, even though you've never met them. Uh, nice to meet you, and we had a bit of a chat. Hey, uh, I want you to be in the movie. I want you to be in the movie of mine. Um, and I said, oh, well, that's very nice. Uh, uh, that's great. What's it called? Uh, it's uh, it's for, based on Fat Pizza. Okay, that's, that's good. Uh, well, I'd love to read the script. Oh, you want to read the script? Oh, big man. Oh, wants to read the script before he makes his decision. Oh, Mr. Ordon, I have to, I have to make a, I have to read it and make a judgment about it. See if it's good enough for me, Mr. McAuliffe, Mr. Big Star. How do you have said I didn't that? I think it was an unreasonable yeah. thing to say. <laughs> how, how do you put that request if he was Milo Kerrigan? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I need to say I didn't receive the script and I wasn't oh. in it. Oh. Uh, which is, uh, well, you won't make that mistake again. No, I didn't see the film. I'm not sure what role it was, but um, maybe there was no script. <laughs> what about the Housewives movie? Did they come and knock in for the Housewives no, movie? No, I'd done my dash. I'd burned my bridges <laughs> before I'd crossed them, I'm afraid. <laughs> Having said that, I did see... Most, if not all, of uh, the Housos movie thought was pretty funny. Right. Yeah. Well, why did you not see the rest of it? <laughs> well, there was a little bit of the. You saw end. too many roles that you could I have played. Racing Stripes was just starting on the next channel <laughs> and you had to. No, I can't watch the whole. I, I turned it on after it had. Like, I stumbled across it accidentally. It's not appointment viewing for me, I must right. say. <laughs> I turned it on. I think it was probably half an hour in. Felt I hadn't missed too much in the setup. Saw the ads on SBS for the series. 
I get it. <laughs> um, figured where it was going, didn't really didn't see the end. So it was essentially the middle. Much in the way that I watched uh, Jonah from Tonga. Right. Yes. Turned it on. It was already on. Thought, that's I know who he is. And uh, it's probably going to end much the same as it began. Turn it but on. You mean it was already on because you're watching Spits and Specs, which is on beforehand. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, sure. Uh, no, my kid was already watching it on iView. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Previous oh, yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do I, – I, I'm, I'm into stuff like that where you can just come in and get your 10 minutes and, and you feel like you've watched a whole thing. You, you know what I mean? To, when you're you busy, you go – You don't need to yeah. watch a film from beginning to end. In fact, there is no opportunity these days to miss a film. Uh, you just watch it in whatever order yeah. you want. I think we've all got the intelligence to work it out in yeah. our minds. I think it would be great I've, if I've cinemas, watched. if you could get like a $5 discount off your ticket, you just come in 10 minutes late and leave 10 minutes early. That would be great. I've never, watched, I've never watched anything but the middle of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I think I've, I've seen – Two-thirds of it, never seen the start, never seen the end. Interesting you should say that. For me, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, right? never seen the whole film. For me, Love Actually, because yeah. it's on TV all the time, and it's like, oh, you flick over, and you go, all right, I think I've seen this enough, even though I've seen it in three-minute increments. That's yeah. the whole film. Yeah. I used to have, because when I lived at, um, when my parents used to have Foxtel, and that they've got the movie channels, but then they've got the, the plus, the two hours like I, the same yeah, thing I can on a see delay. Why, why you want to hang with them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, got, there's a lot of advantages. In, yeah, in but why did you ever go to New York? <laughs> <laughs> but there was like a two-year stretch where pretty much every movie I saw, I'd see on Foxtel, and I'd come in late to it and see the back end, and then just go to the two-hour plus and catch. Yeah. The front end. So it, pretty much every movie I saw over a two-year period is like Memento style, no, where I'm just coming in on the yeah. start and going, oh, so that's why he's messed up about this. Oh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind but of a so, great way to watch movies. But sometimes it can be a great reward. I watched uh, the back half of uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Killer. <laughs> really couldn't make head nor tail. <laughs> and the other day, first half an hour. Thought, great. Liked it so much, watched the whole thing again. Oh, there and you that, go. The big train oh. sequence makes a lot more sense. So... <laughs> If anything, if we've learned nothing today, it's that if you're going to watch Abraham Lincoln, you've, Vampire Killer, yeah. you've got to commit. Yeah, you really do have to. That is appointment viewing. I, yeah. I watched I watched The Matrix Three in a cinema, and uh, had you seen the others? No. <laughs> uh, you've got to start somewhere, Carl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I never went back and watched the first. Well, my, my wife's first exposure to Back to the Future was Back to the Future Two, not having seen the first one. Right, so it's not going to make any sense at all. Did, really, it, it could have because there was a lot of callbacks, and you sort of saw half. The first one. Well, there was, but you wouldn't know the significance of sure. any of it. It was. That's per- my problem with imagine the. Op- imagine that. Remember the opening. Man, the opening? that is perplexing. Okay, what? he's going to going out to the picnic with his girlfriend and in, in his new car. This is the beginning of Back right. to the Future Two, and suddenly, yeah. uh, flying Delo- Delorean lands. <laughs> he says, "Look, we got to get your kids. We got to go." Right. And they get in the car, and that's the start of the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. You know, you're a little behind yeah. the eight ball, aren't you? <laughs> Well, I think that brings us to the end of the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. Sean and Josh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Uh, Josh, can I just thank you for filling in for Tony Moclair? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Who would have been really tedious. I mean, I see him mostly every day. He, he would have yeah. just talked about planes Awful. the whole time. Oh, he yeah. loves planes. He's been drawing yeah, planes. He was actually drawing. How old, how old is Tony Moclair? He would oh, be 14 by the level of his interest <laughs> in planes, I would have thought. <laughs> Well, that's my point. He would be mid mid to late forties, I would have thought. Tony Moclair, and in in at Spicks and Specs office, he was drawing planes. <laughs> yeah, Byro, like a like a like a little girl. And we, we were riding all around the time of the Malaysian airline <laughs> disaster, and uh, that's all he would talk about. But he would yeah, he would do two days with us, two days with you. I know he really did spread his affections <laughs> around. God knows what he was doing on that on that fifth day of the week. <laughs> He was just out at Tullamarine furiously <laughs> jerking off. But <laughs> on that note, <laughs> uh, Josh Spicks and Specs, uh, another another like 11, 11 more episodes. Oh so wow! Yeah, 
tonight's one will be the eleventh. So yep. Surprise, eleven more, and then yeah. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was one in for some reason. No, 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 twenty-six. Yeah. Twenty-six. We got right. Right. Cool. Watch it every week and play a bit of classic Chandler joke bingo. Which ones? Which ones pick. Chandlers? Which ones? Which Josh's? Ones, Josh's? Which, ones, which ones about planes? Oh, that's Moakley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which one is just, why is Beyonce in a 747 in this yeah. joke? Oh, that's Moakley. How okay. many of these fat jokes about Dave O'Neill did, <laughs> did Carl giggle to himself for five minutes after writing? <laughs> yes. Uh, Sean, you've got a book coming out later in the year? I do, yeah, in October. In October. Yeah, there yeah. You go. So, so if you're listening to this. Novel? Uh, it's a well. It's a. I don't really know what it is. It's sort of a. It's sort of a faux history book. Each chapter being a separate uh, American president. History of Snake Tales. Uh, please <laughs> no, say that, yes. That's to come. That's to come. <laughs> Although I don't know. Does, does it still exist? It's like one for them, yes. one for me, kind he, of thing. He, he literally, if you look at it, and I do look at it a bit, it's just oh, he's just he's just photocopied each panel, and there's a like. I'm sure there's some sort of Snake Tales generator where whatever he's saying is yeah. just random every it's day. No, he's it doesn't no matter. Charles M. Schultz, is he? No, no. no. Oh, it's incredible. It's yeah. Snake Tales is still in the. It's in the Herald Sun every day. Well, we've and heard that worth, he lives. It's worth hunting out. He's some sort of expat in Thailand or something now. I think he just lives somewhere off the off yeah. the sweet cash that he's getting from uh, the Herald Sun every day. I because when last time I went, well, the the only time I've been to Thailand, I was. In the place where he lives, and friend of the really? show Jason Chatfield Hang on, were was you like, with your "Father." <laughs> <laughs> I was it, like, Jason Chatfield was like, "I could have actually hooked you up with him, and you could have met souls." Wow! Which yeah, I don't but know it's if I souls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you say? No, no, Alfred e. Newman. It's no, no, he'd take me, he'd take me into a special room in his office yeah. where he's just got a pile of Snake Tales books that I can have. But it's the rite of passage for an Australian going to Thailand, the ping pong shows, and meeting souls. <laughs> uh, guys, thank you. Thank you very much for listening. Oh, no, uh, uh, Sean, your sh- oh. let's plug your book. Actually, say the name of it. it is, oh, it's uh, called The President's Desk. Yes. Hopefully, we'll speak before October. But it's uh, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, it's um, it's just gone off to the printers. Oh. Probably offshore, I think, because it's got some you know photographs in it. So. It could cool. very well be being printed in Maryborough, where I grew up. Population eight thousand. It is a print heavy town. Is that right? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, it may it may well be there. It could be in the hands of Sunshine Johnson and Co. <laughs> in Maryborough, right as we speak. Mark yeah. Mokes. Yeah, Mark Mo. Uh, yeah. Guys, thanks for listening. Get on iTunes, leave us a review and do all that stuff if you haven't uh, done that. We haven't mentioned that for a while. We're heavy on Facebook. We've always got lots of great visual stuff on, on Facebook yeah. and Twitter, so get yeah. into that. Uh, guys, thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next time. See, see you, mates. mates.